Hi, Joy. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. I am so excited to be here. I've been listening. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Well, that's an honor because I, I very much <laughs> appreciate everything that you do and that you've done in my life. So let's start off talking about what you do. You are, I refer to you as a spiritual teacher. How do you like to be referred to? I love to? it. I'll take that. Um, I, I've been condensing it down to medium, mystic, and mentor these days, just because I feel like everything has to fit in under 10 seconds, right? So for someone who's been living <laughs> in a mystical rock, tell them what that, what, what does that, that mean to you when you use those titles? What does that represent? That's a great question. So in my mediumship, it's essentially two things. Psychic work is basically tuning into the energy of my client who's in front of me, looking at potentials, possibilities, choices they're making. Uh, mediumship is more connecting with loved ones that have already crossed over to the other side and are in a place we call the spirit world. Uh, so that's the mediumship, the the mentoring. I teach and train healers and um energy workers, I guess, and teach people to tune into their own intuition, because I think really that is the most empowering thing we can do is listen to and honor ourselves, right? I know that's a big part of your work. Uh, and the mystic bubble really is the healing segment of it, because I think everything boils down to healing, whether we're needing to heal you know, something in our, our personal space or our beliefs or our relationships that really is the underpinning, I think, for all of this personal development type work that we do. I, I kind of view you as the healer of past relationships in a way, or oh, like the kind of a guide towards your future relationship, not just with yourself, but with other people, because everything you do is kind of interconnected about how those relationships have impacted us. Because yeah. if I want to reach someone from the past, it's because we've had a relationship, right? Or if Absolutely. I want to know how to trust my intuition moving forward in relationships, you also provide a guide for that. Yeah, and I think it, you make such a good point. Relationships really from before we are birthed into this world, you know, even just when we're in the womb, relationships around us start affecting us. So sometimes, you know, it's connecting with a relationship from the past, but sometimes it's understanding how those relationships from our personal pasts are braided into who we are and how we greet the world, right? Is there a common denominator that you find in people that are wanting to like connect with someone from the past? Like what, what drives us to want to have you connect with a, another partner or a parent or a child? Why are we doing that? It's a little woo-woo, the answer. Uh, really, the, <laughs> the, way, the way I feel it and the way I say it is it's based on the need of our soul. So it's why we feel that stirring or that yearning or that urging. Sometimes it's just to know that they're safe and at peace. Uh, but really, one of the most beautiful things about the type of mediumship I practice is there's validation that comes through. They share specific details about their life or what's going on in the life of their loved one who's my client. And so these relationships that we experience experience, they don't just disappear when someone is no longer in physical form, they carry on just in a different way. So it it's really can do a lot of things depending on the person, but sometimes it just gives them that solace and, and peace that they can continue on in their life because the people that they love that, you know, have crossed over are still with us. And I imagine that a little part of us worries that the relationship that we had is somehow gone 
right? And we want to reconnect with that to know that we mattered. So I, I remember when I went with you, I'm not being too personal that I had a bra I have a bracelet on that was my grandfather's bracelet and I always wear it. And out of nowhere, I was going to talk to you about work stuff. And you're like, so your grandfather wants to let you know how tickled he is that you wear his bracelet. And I was like, oh. <laughs> right? Because, yeah. oh, I still matter to my grandfather, right? And you don't know me. You don't know anything about what I do or who I am. I don't talk about my grandfather. And yeah. just that confidence that I had that I was in a relationship that mattered and that still exists and that I could still tap into that love that I had with somebody that was an important person and shaping who I am is a big deal, right? We miss yeah. that connection of knowing that we're someone special. Absolutely. And even just in that little nugget that he came forward with, he's letting you know he's still with you. He knows how you're using that, you know, piece of jewelry, in this case, a bracelet of his. He knows that you've got it on today. So it really, there's so much validation and quote unquote proof that can come in just a couple sentences. It's, it, it's, they never cease to amaze me, really. Do you see that many people have old hurts healed from some of those opportunities to connect to someone passed quickly or you had unfinished business? Is there an opportunity for someone to kind of get some closure? I think certainly it can be a part of it if that's what my client needs or if it, sometimes it's based on the need of the loved one who's crossed over. Sometimes they have something they need to say or need to let you know, hey, I know that I wasn't conscious while you were in that room with me, but I did hear and receive everything you said. I, I had someone who um, just worked with us last weekend and they were estranged from their child and their child passed. And one of the main themes that this child was talking about is what a wonderful life these parents had given them and the parents were so relieved because they thought oh my god we thought that our kiddo hated us when they passed and that just wasn't the case at all so it, it can be it's so varied right because our relationships are so unique and individual but i think the the themes often tend to be the same do you see me do you know my feelings and do you receive them right how does that work for you? Like, are you, ta I mean, you're taking something in, right? And you're yeah. like repeating it back. Are you having the feelings or are you just getting the message? I have always been curious about- That's a great what's, question. What's it like on your side? <laughs> well, we all are a little bit different, um, but essentially with me, um, what's mechanically happening is my soul's expanding and blending with the frequency or the energy of the soul of your loved one, because even though we're not in a physical body anymore, we're still a soul. Uh, and then they can share with me, usually it's quick flashes of pictures, sometimes it's quick words or blocks of thought or songs that will move through my head, and often it's through this emotion. So even if I see the picture in my mind's eye, right, like if I tell you a story about my day and you see me pumping the gas, it's the emotion that helps me understand what it is they're wanting to convey. Is this a stressful memory? Is this a happy memory? Uh, so it's, it's through my training, I think, that I've really learned how to work with it. Because even though these spiritual gifts are a natural part of us, we still have to train to learn how to use them in a way that makes sense to the world, I guess. Because I've heard you use the phrases like vibrational frequency, right? Yeah. And so the only way that my mind can like sort of get my head around it is when I have a dream and mm -hmm. I wake up from the dream and I know the way that I felt in the dream gives me information about the images because dreams aren't always like in sequence or they don't right. always make sense. But the emotion that I had as I was in it tells me a lot about my experience. 
Yeah, I think that's a great way to relate it. For as long as you know me, you will hear me complain about the language and how our language and the words that we have don't quite exactly line up. I don't love to talk about people that the people that I work with on the other side, grandmas, grandpas, kids, you know, parents yeah. as vibrational frequency, but I feel like it's one of the only ways our human mind can kind of make sense to, well, what do you mean you're blending with them? What do you mean you're like even tuning in is kind of not the right way to say it, but there just isn't great language around it. And it's such a big etheric concept, right? You say that all of us have the ability to to do what you do. Why do most of us then reject it or not turn towards it? Or do we just not know it because it doesn't <laughs> have like a definition that I can buy at Target? Like what, what, <laughs> what's keeping question. us from tapping in? Well, I think that's a great question. So I believe we all have intuitive ability and whether that means we just you know, know what's right for us on a soul level, that takes some work, right? Moving through our own patterns and beliefs and programming. And it's the same with connecting with our loved ones in the spirit world. We come into this world, each of us in our own community and family group and culture. And often there are a lot of beliefs given to us about what might happen when we pass away, you know, sometimes through religion, sometimes just through history of our family and what we believe. But the way I understand it now is that everyone has the ability to communicate with their own loved ones in the spirit world. Mediumship's a little different in that I have the ability to communicate with other people's loved ones who are strangers to me. But truthfully, not everyone, not everyone wants that part, right? Most people just want to feel and sense and receive hellos, you know, even as signs in the world from their loved ones. And we all have the ability to do that. It's just a lot of times in our society and our culture, we're programmed to believe that that's a a separation, right? That once they're gone, they're gone, that there's, um, you know, for, for lots of reasons, I guess, if you want to get into the whole patriarchy and control of religion, I mean, I think that's a big, I think that's a big that it's taboo uh, that I'm not allowed to like touch into that part of myself right? because that's not then implying that there's something that's guiding me that maybe I actually have some decision-making myself and there's some, yeah. some power and control there that's happening there. I think in some instances, I think in other instances, the control was more imposed, like you have to go through a person um, to tap into this divinity or to tap into the souls of loved ones, that there's an intermediary. And really, they're all around us all the time. It is why I love teaching people how to receive signs from their loved ones. I think the other misconception, uh, I am the biggest lover of movie and TV and all of that, but I think it's so dramatized that I think we expect it to be, you know, like a physical apparition standing at the bottom of your bed. Yeah, that can happen once in a blue moon, but it's not the normal way that, you know, your grandpa, for example, that you brought up, yeah. it will be in such a subtle, just him kind of popping into your mind out of nowhere, or you seeing a sign that has his name on it, or um, you just thinking of him or feeling him in such an intangible, very, very subtle, less than a whisper type of a way. So I think that's one of the other reasons people think they can't do it is we're expecting or looking for it to be something different than it is. Can we call our loved ones in? Can we ask them to come and give us a sign that they're in our space? Absolutely. I love that you ask that. So even just thinking of them, they're right with us immediately. The way we often say it in the work is they're only a heartbeat away, meaning all you have to do is think of them and they're there. You don't have to do some big ceremonial to do. Uh, and then 
sometimes for some people, they have a sign or a symbol that reminds them of that person, right? If they uh, had a gal a long time ago and her dad had been a professional baseball player. So she had baseball references that made her think of him. But if you don't have something specific, you can just kind of pick something. It could be something in nature, like a butterfly or a bird. It could be uh, something that's more, I don't know. Let me, I'm trying to look around my house to, to think of things. It could be really anything. It doesn't have to even be necessarily associated to them. And then it's just kind of sending out the thought even out loud to them and just saying, hey, when you're near me, show me. Um, I have someone that I love on the other side that shows me orange butterflies when she's around. And it's just a hello for, from her. And it's any way you receive the item. So sometimes for me, it'll be like a real butterfly that's just like way too close to me for no apparent reason. Uh, sometimes it'll be on a logo or um, I was at like a department store and saw orange butterflies on plates, like like uh, dinner plates as like the pattern. So they can get it to you in any way they can. And it's kind of like a volley of them saying, hello, you seeing it in the world and kind of saying like, hey, I see you. And then being available for the next time they can get it through to you. I love this. I love this idea that we can continue to have a relationship where they pop up and say hello or do something unexpected or give us a hug from the other side by finding that thing that represents them with you. So I I like that. And they're still drawn to us by the love that we share. That love doesn't disappear. It still it still exists. Um, yeah. The other thing to know, <laughs> it's a common question is, I don't believe that our loved ones on the other side see far into the future because I don't believe the future is predetermined. I think we create mm-hmm. our future with the choices we make today. So they might know, okay, in a few days, this this could happen. But I I always discourage people from trying to you know ask their loved ones to predict their future. Really, we're creating our own future right now. Does that make sense? It does. I've had some clients that have told me that they thought that their loved ones who had passed brought their current partner to them. Is that a thing? Is that (laughs) happening? That's a great question. Uh, They can certainly help us. They continue to be inspirers for us, just like they would in life. Like if you have a mom on the other side who would want to set you up with people, then there's a good chance she's going to try to help people cross your path and bring your attention to that person, but we remain autonomous in our free will. So it would be your free will choice to say hello to that person or give them your phone number or to continue on with them. They can't control us in that way, but they certainly can. Um, You know, it's why I always tell people, just always assume that delays are in your favor because maybe you're getting stuck behind that construction backup in traffic so that you can be at the exact right place to cross paths with this person or this opportunity. Kind of like that. I like that. Okay, we have to shift to what you used to okay. do before you did this job. <laughs> <Sure>. Because <laughs> this would not be as fun of a podcast if I didn't let everybody know that your past career was working in the WWE. Because if I anybody did, can yeah. see you, you seem far too put together and attractive to oh, what we kind. might think of as a stereotype. So h- how? Tell us about that world. <laughs> Uh, well, I was um, I was in fitness and wellness and then transitioned into fitness modeling for a little while and was pursuing, I was a SAG actor and was pursuing a career in acting. And the truth is, it's just a role that I ended up getting. I loved it. It was a totally unique experience, um, but it what wasn't was necessarily- What was your character's name? Does that, my own name. Think- yeah, my own name. Oh, okay. I thought for some reason you were like 
Amazon warrior or something. Oh, no. just- <laughs> yeah. When I came into the company, it was during a time when they were trying to bring in um, established actresses to help build the storyline. Gotcha. So essentially, in a nutshell, for the year that I was there, it was only a year in my mid-20s, uh, I was the catalyst for the main event. So I was either being, I like I got rescued from a trunk of a car that I was kidnapped in. I got so I was always being rescued or defended in some in some <laughs> way so they could have this main event fight every week. Okay, so I believe that everything you do in life gives you some sort of skill or prepares you for what you're going to do now in life. How did that prepare you for what you're doing now? You know, what's funny is I've spent some time actually like in retrospect thinking about that because even at the time, I couldn't understand why I was traveling all over the world in front of these huge live audiences. I was like, I don't want to do you know, my goal is not Broadway. I don't want to do live theater like this. I want to do film and television. Like this makes no sense. It's only looking back that I see that it really does entirely lend itself to my mediumship. Part of what I do is on stage, the, the larger group readings. And if you can be comfortable in front of a live audience and international television, basically like in a bikini, you certainly can go out there and close and talk to the spirit world. So I think it was just getting me ready for that part. To own yourself and to not get in your head about what you're doing, but to kind of just give yourself the exposure of being out in front of a big group so that you could then tap into the work that you needed to do? I think so, because it's, for me, the the scary part is never being in front of live audience now or big audiences. I don't, I don't have any problem going out and doing that. So I think that's the gift that that work gave me is just, you know, being comfortable stepping into being in front of a large group of people anytime I need to. How do you do that in front of, as I'm visualizing you, like speaking to a big group is not everybody's chatter all like commingling in one place from all their spirits and all their energies. And like, how, how do you parse that out? With mediumship, it's a little bit different. So essentially, when it's a big group demonstration like that, we call it demonstration of mediumship. I believe the spirit world knows who's going to be there and is getting their loved ones into that audience. And they also line themselves up for who's going to communicate first, who's going to be the first one blending with me to give me details, for example. And it's such a beautiful, um, the best way I can explain it is like this energetic feeling of a very high vibrational excitement and love and support because they're building the energy from the spirit side as well to help this communication take place. And then it's in my training that I understand, you know, I'll become aware of one person. Essentially, I feel them next to me. I'll start to understand details about them. uh, And then I'll give it out to the audience. Sometimes I'm, I feel an energetic pull or I'm like drawn to a specific section of the audience. Sometimes it's just in the specificity of the details um, that we narrow it down to whose spirit person it is. And and those messages tend to only be about seven to 10 minutes. So it's a little shorter working time. You always seem so positive. I'm imagining that there's sometimes someone comes to speak to you who's not necessarily positive. How do you filter that so you don't freak out your client or that you don't take <laughs> on this negativity? Like I am it's curious a good about that. Uh, what I have found Uh, is that there's a different version of the quote unquote life review than we might think from 
movies or it's not like a man standing there with like a list of all the things you've ever done in your life. But rather what I've been shown over the years is that they, when they cross over, we each actually go back through our life and revisit not only the situations, but we stand in the shoes emotionally of each person that we interact with and feel all the emotions that we've ever created in another person. So that's part of that soul growth. So even if someone maybe, you know, had a lot of bad behavior, for example, in life and made others feel not great, by the time that they're communicating in a mediumistic way, they have a better understanding of those challenging feelings that they've created in someone. But the truth is humans are messy. You know, we have, there are people who do communicate that perhaps they were a really tough person in someone's life, or perhaps they're an ex and they didn't have the best breakup. They are always coming in to communicate with the intention of love and healing and um, empowerment or moving that situation forward. So even when it's challenging information or about a challenged relationship that we had, it's always with the intention of them acknowledging the truth of the situation or them intending to heal or support in some way for expansion of the person that's still here. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that feels super encouraging because I think a ton of us think that like you gave the reference of the couple that thought their child was mad at them or was unhappy with them. Wow, that feels like a big relief if I had an ending with someone that didn't go the way that I hoped and now I don't have an opportunity anymore and we're carrying around this guilt and shame that we didn't handle things and they're still upset at us from the grave or however we phrase it. What you're saying is that's not a thing. Yeah, and the other thing to know is a good medium is not going to go into the most difficult details of your personal life. I might be aware that my client had a an abusive relationship with the spirit person, for example. I can say just enough so that they know I understand the situation without tearing open that wound, number one. And number two, if someone comes in for a reading, they can say that they don't care to hear from that person. It's okay. We're still empowered as the recipient, right? You don't just have to hear from whoever comes in. You can always say, I'm, I'm just not open for that communication right now, or something even messier than that is, <laughs> is fine. Um, but it's, it is part of the training of a, of a decent medium to be able to hold even the tender emotions that we have. And even the, you know, we should be able to feel the places where, okay, this is a, this is a difficult relationship or this is a difficult or challenging memory for my, for my client and know how detailed we need to be or not. You know what I mean? So you're sparing them some things too, that maybe are too hard for them. Yeah. They know what happened. You know, they, they know, they know what they lived through and it's just really often it's just their spirit person acknowledging it enough. Even if I have the specific details, I don't need to say them in a a graphic way. Do you know what I mean? But I could say, I understand that there's trauma and abuse here, for example, without, you know, going down the laundry list of details. So it's keeping them feeling safe and feeling like they can continue to receive whatever the messages are and process them in a way that's going to be beneficial to them. It's, it's a do no harm, you know, blanket intention always. Yeah. Well, that's good because I think if someone's getting ready for a reading and they know that maybe things didn't go well, maybe they're worried they're going to get like a verbal tongue lashing from the other side. And so you're probably providing a lot of comfort right now for someone who's thinking about. I hope so. How does somebody get ready for a reading? What would you recommend is the best process to like, I made an appointment with Joy. Here's what I should be doing on my end. 
in a perfect world, uh, it's great if you can have that day off just to kind of take it easy in the morning, not get yourself too riled up, um, and then have time afterwards to process the, the messages or the information or your own feelings about what just came up like in a perfect world. But I realize not everybody can have a whole day off or something like that. Um, it's, it's more of a what not to do. I'll tell you, like, that's the probably the best tips. There's no need to send thoughts and feelings and prayers up to your loved ones and say, okay, you better come through and you better say, you know, the word peanut butter. And uh, <laughs> the, the reason that never works is because they have to give it to me in a way that A, I can understand and B, I can make sense of to deliver it. So okay. I feel like when people get hung up or like need to hear about one specific catchphrase or one specific detail, they're almost blocking all of the other amazing, beautiful things that that person might want to Remember, almost like you? giving them a script versus like, come, yeah. let me know what you want to let me know. Exactly. Uh, and I, I keep telling the spirit world, I wish they would just stand next to me and talk in my ear and say words to me like that, but it just doesn't work that way. So, um, yeah, they'll bring what they need to bring to identify themselves and to let you know that it's them. So resist the urge to try to control everything so much, I think, which I know is kind of a hard directive for some of us, myself included sometimes. <laughs> So you do lots of programs and I want to get an opportunity for you because there's so many things you do. There's got to be something that everyone who's listening would be like, yeah, that's the thing I want to do because you're a teacher. You teach courses on how to like yeah. get in touch with your intuition. You do the readings. Tell us about all the things that you do. I feel like I do so many things. You're right. Uh, I'm trying to do less things and tighten it in. So for me, the underpinning of all this work is always the healing, whether it's us receiving healing or us just being empowered to know we can go forward in the world in whatever way we choose. And for most people, it's some modality of healing that is their way into their spiritual gifts. So you'll find a lot of mediums are like certified in Reiki or some other type of energy healing. So that is my favorite thing probably to teach. Uh, when this airs, we'll be going into a free workshop actually for healers. It's called Meet Your Inner Mystic Healer in Just Three Days. And that is totally free. Uh, it's live online with me and it's gonna be October 9th through the 11th. So if anyone wants to come and learn some self-healing tools and learn how to start feeling and sensing their own energy, we're gonna do a fun, um, have an experience with it, with a, uh, an archangel for healing. So wow, just some, cool. some tools and some cool experiences that you can take with you. <clears throat> All you need to do to get into that is just go to my website, joyfulmedium.com and right on the homepage, there's a place to drop your email and then you'll get the, all the details about that. Um, so I, I do teach a, a year long professional certification mentorship for healers. I believe in that old school, like apprenticeship mm -hmm. style, which is yep. actually one of my favorite things about the way that therapists and counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists are trained. It's that, you know, actual practical experience. And then you can go back to your mentor and say, here's what we did and here's the tools and they can kind of coach you along the way. So it's sort of the style that I, that I teach in, but with energy work, there's just so much to know between the chakras and the aura and the healing with colors and Reiki is its own um, Japanese system of healing. So by the time I'm done with them, <laughs> they're mm -hmm. fully ready to step out 
I mean, we even talk about business development and how to name your business and how to put your business out there if you choose to and, and what that looks like. So uh, that's a professional certification for healers called Modern Mystic Healers, which I love a lot. Uh, and then I periodically will open a, it's kind of like a 100 level course. It's called Goddess Untamed. And it really is about starting to strip away those patterns and beliefs and um, understandings that were programmed or given to us growing up. We do some inner child work. We do meeting the guides and starting to learn to communicate with your own spirit guides. We um, learn about intuitive tools and there's a lot of personal development in that. So that I only open that a couple times a year just because I really, like I said, I really like to do kind of deep mentorship and get in there because I, I think it's so tough to just watch videos online with no personal connection, you know, yeah, <laughs> because absolutely. then it's like, what if you've got questions? How do you right. use these tools in real life? I'm a, <clears throat> you know me, I'm from Boston. So I like a real world, like, how does this apply to my real life? Exactly. And, Let's get to the know. brass tacks. So how is this exactly. going to serve me? Yeah, no. exactly. Um, so those are the two uh, main courses I'm teaching right now. And then I do, of course, one-on-one -on -one coaching and readings. And, you know, sometimes in the first session, people do need to connect with their loved ones just to alleviate that, um, I don't know, heaviness on their heart about, you know, where's my person and do they know that I've gotten married since they departed and uh, all of that, the healing we talked about earlier. And then sometimes once they're through that part, it's, okay, now I need to talk about my career or I'm looking towards a different version of relationship or, or whatever it is that people are working on in their own lives. And that's just as important as talking to our loved ones in the spirit world, as far as I'm concerned. I also think one of the best gifts that you give, which maybe you don't recognize or give yourself credit for, is because you lead by example and model for those that work with you that it's okay to trust your intuition. Because there's so many messages in life that's like, use your head, use your head, yeah. what do you mean with all this gut stuff, right? And yeah. so I think one of the best experiences that I had with you is just like, yeah, you have your intuition. What is your intuition saying? Let's talk about it. Like, let's hold space for it. Let's bring it into the room without yeah. being embarrassed about it, without having to second guess it, without there being a right or wrong answer. And so I think you give so many gifts on top of this ability that you have, this miraculous ability, but you also really Old space just to own who you are and tap into that part of ourselves so oh, i i feel grateful to know you and i you do have such a gift and i all of your trainings are amazing so hopefully thanks. somebody who's listening can get in one of them and and get to know you more yeah we'll see i do want to say that ability to like model and try to use my own intuition girl that was hard one that was a <laughs> lot of personal development we all have stuff we all have you know things that happen to us in some part of our younger life and i know you do a lot of this in your work but those younger versions of us remain with us and sometimes i mean I, excuse me i feel like they're always there to try to help but sometimes those past experiences can hold us back we can be you know resisting something out of a fear that we don't even agree to anymore so there is a ton of personal development that goes into giving ourselves permission to understand and trust our intuition. So I think it's, I think there's a lot of places where our work coincides. 
A hundred percent. Yes, you are also a therapist. You forgot to mention that in there. I am there so because... not a therapist. But... <laughs> You're like, how are you feeling about that? Yes, I, I'm in tears now. So yes. It... Well, that's something to know. Like, there are no bad feelings, right? Even feelings that are tough or challenging have information for us. And maybe it's that, hey, I don't actually want to do this career path that, you know, I've been training in for five years. And sometimes that can create its own bundle of anxiety, for example. Well, thank you for being you. You are a delightful, oh, bright energy spot. And I, I'm really grateful that you gave us some time on the on the podcast. Well, I'm so grateful to have been a guest and I just love the work you're doing with the D spot. <laughs> Thanks, my friend. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for tuning into the D spot. Find me, Dr. Dana McNeil and my guests on social media using the links down below. Subscribe for new episodes weekly and leave a comment letting us know how and if you can relate or what topics you'd like us to cover next. See you next time. And don't forget, going to therapy is cool.